Hello everyone, it is Murr from Jokers. I'm here in my hotel room, there's my blankie. These things are not important. Here's what is. You've made a choice to listen to the HodgePodge podcast. Not a bad choice, my friend. You are making good decisions in life. Subscribe now and anywhere that podcasts are available. Bye. I'm going to go back to cuddling with my blankie. Ladies and gentlemen, it's HodgePodge time. All right. Thank you guys for joining me on another episode of the HodgePodge podcast. So before I get into the actual introduction here, I want to start something that I haven't done on this podcast. Um, actually, I've done the opposite. So I want to title this Period of Positivity. And during this period, I, I, about five minutes or so, I, w- I want to talk about being positive. So whenever I'm on here, I always people give me compliments. I don't take compliments too well. I, you know, I've never really gotten them throughout my life. You know, my mom, and dad's given them to me, but other than that, there's never really been any compliments. You know, um, so that's really where I fail. At it. So I'm going to try to be more positive, but I want to spread a little bit of this positivity that I know I have that I just can't give out to myself. So people, I will text friends and, 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 and etc. and people will ask me, I need some advice. I give fantastic advice. I give great advice, but I just don't have any advice for myself. Um, I don't know how that works. I don't have advice for myself. I don't know how that works. Um, But I give great advice. And I've written a book um, yet to be published. It's in the hands of a publisher now. And I'm just waiting on... I'm waiting on something. I don't know what I'm waiting on. But I'm I'm waiting on it. And there's a lot of positivity in it. There's a a big self-help slash autobiography memoir book. Um... And I just want to take the time right now to, you know, give this period of positivity. I think I'm going to do this every episode, about three or four minutes or so, and then I'll get in with an interview or, or just me talking about an episode today. Um, so I want to start with this podcast. Not a lot of people listen to it. Um, there's a few hundred I think that's pretty good for, for, for a nobody like me, you know. Um, I am fortunate to have a job where that it lets me do this podcast. Um, so I want to talk about job interviews and, and, and jobs in general. So my, my mom always, always pushed me, pushed me. She wanted me to do something in literature. She wanted me to be a journalist because I write. I mean, if you look at my Twitter and Instagram, the bio, the bio on, on both, I mean, I, it tells the truth. I've written two books. I, I have written three movies. Um, one movie is actually in the hands of someone very special. Um, I'm not going to tell you just yet because I don't want it to get across and then I get in trouble for saying something that I'm not supposed to say anything. So it's in the hands of a big guy. Let's just say a top guy uh, in the Hollywood entertainment business. That's not me bragging. 
Um, that's just me stating that I can write and, you know, I've had two poems and a short story published in a, a literature book in fifth grade. Um, I remember it. But anyways, go back to the point. My mom always pushed me and pushed me to be a journalist. You need to write. You need to write. You know, I went to college for a short time. Uh, probably two, three semesters, um, and it wasn't for me. Um, college isn't for everybody. Um, I just didn't see any point because I knew what I wanted to do. I wanted to write, but you see all these writers, 90% of them have no college degree in literature or writing or any kind of English major. They just write to write. And I had a tough time in uh, high school. Um, high school wasn't, it's not for everybody, and it wasn't for me. Um, I was always a smart guy, the smart kid, wore glasses, I was smart. And that's where a lot of stuff happened. Uh, I'm not going to read, I'm not going to tell you all that because you can read it in the book if it comes out. And I don't want to be one of the people that say, oh, read it in my book. Ask me questions if you want, I don't care, I'll answer it. But for that part, I don't want to ruin the book for that part because that's a major part of the book. But I want to talk about job and life. So I recently got a job um, with the United States Postal Service. Um, it starts out working you on weekends, so I'll be working on Saturdays only. Um, it's pretty good pay, um, so not to worry about me doing any, you know um, living in a box. That allows me to record and interview weekly. I always get a podcast up weekly. Um, I may miss a week or two. It's be either I'm busy or I'm slammed, booked with interviews and, and podcast episodes that I, that I have this strict schedule that I go down. I think I talked on a, um, a podcast on here. I don't know if it's one up yet, but I'll talk about it on here. If not, it's not up. I'll get it up soon. So <clears throat> let me get a little swig of water here real quick. So when people ask, they ask for advice. I I, I had a comment down in one of the uh, podcast episodes. Um, it was an older comment that I didn't see. Um, so I went back and I think it was on... The Myrrh from Impractical Jokers podcast. And it said, I want to do what you do, but I don't have time between work and school. So for me, this is a hobby. But this hobby, it's a hobby that can go into a regular job and make me money, support me. And that's what I'm planning on doing here. But... For me, I'd say, what do you plan on doing in life? Do you plan on – because if you plan on going to college and then being a librarian or you know, a garbage truck driver, you don't have to go to school. You don't need to. Um, if you want to do this, do what I do. Um, I got a job working at Buffalo Wild Wings. Um, got fired 
three weeks afterwards, thought everything was over because I quit school. I had this podcast and I couldn't have a way to support myself. But odd ends, odd jobs, that and this, stuff has happened. I've been able to support myself. Along with my parents, of course, because I still live in their house. But I plan to change all that. And think about what you want to do. Let's say, I use one of my stories, for example. My dad, construction worker. Construction all his life. I mean, since he was early 20s. He's now in his early 40s. I would have to go help because either he needed help or I needed money. That first day on that job, I realized I did not want to do that for the rest of my life. So it was either A, go to college, B, win big in a jackpot, or C, make something out of myself. And you could put college and make something out of yourself together, but you don't have to. Mark Cuban once said from Shark Tank, owner of the Dallas Mavericks, once said, college is not for everybody. Find something that makes you happy, excel in it, and profit in it. So put your money into what you like. I put my money into this podcast. That's what I like. This is what I plan on, you know, I plan on having the job at the post office. I'm waiting to start it. I mean, I have to go to training and all that. But once I start that, it's going to allow me to get bigger and better in this podcast. It's going to allow me to buy better microphones than this $30 microphone I have. It's going to allow me to buy a better laptop than this Walmart laptop I have, which they're no problem. They let me do it. But the one thing that matters to me, I want to be happy. I make jokes on Instagram all the time. I got a job at the post office. Let's cue the music. Baby, all my life I will be driving home to you. I love the King of Queens. And so when I saw you know, him delivering mail, and it, that's all it does. He drives around in the truck all day. I love to drive. And I love meeting people. And, and this is a, an opportunity to do that. But find the thing that makes you happy the most. If it makes you happy... Stick with it. You know, I write music. I write songs. Um, I'm, I'm a lyricist. I don't write music. I just write down lyrics. Um, I have no melody in my head, nothing of how I want it to go. I just write down lyrics. And I have over probably 400 and something songs, lyrics, and titles. At one time, my main goal was to go to Nashville and become a songwriter. I still want that. But I have to be stable enough and believe in myself enough to do that. And at that point, it's not happening right now. So find the thing that makes you happy. If going to college makes you dread it, you don't want to do it. If you don't want to go be, you know, you don't want to say, I want to be a doctor because doctors make X amount of money a year. You're going to be happy the rest of your life making X amount of dollars a year, but going to work, dreading your day. It doesn't matter if you make $10 an hour, $7 an hour, $6 an hour, or $30 an hour. If it makes you happy, 
stick with it and do it. Don't listen to the people that say you need to go this because you need you you have a kid on the way. Fine. You have a kid on the way, get a job that you know you'll be able to support. But still, you need to follow that calling. You know, I didn't know my calling. I thought my calling was whatever my parents wanted me to be. You know, you don't know that. You know, you're majoring in undecided when you go to college. As Thomas Rhett says, majoring in undecided, you don't know what you're doing. You want to go do this, but then your major is going to change six times before you finally figure out what you're going to do. So for this period of positivity, I just want to say chase your dreams. Don't let anyone tear that dream apart. Don't let, do not let somebody tear it apart. I, it, it's happened to me before. This podcast quit. I mean, I quit this podcast after 10 months. I almost hit, it was in October, and I love last year. And, I, and January would have been a year, and I quit it. I mean, I texted everyone that has supported me. I quit. I'm not doing it anymore. There was a lot of stuff happening in my life, which it's not in the book because the book was in publishing process, and it's time this happened. So... Probably in the next book because I have been asked to write a second book. Even though the book has not been published yet, I've been asked to write a second book at 20 years old. Can you imagine that? But something happened and I quit the podcast. I mean, I didn't do anything for months. And one day I said, you know what? I'm going to get out that old microphone. I'm going to get out that old laptop. And I'm going to talk about how I feel. And when I did that, I got, I emailed, and I emailed Good Murr, Practical Jokers, and he was on my podcast. And now he's even doing the introduction for the podcast. So taking a step back is not a bad problem. Taking a step back does not mean you quit. Taking a step back means you need to readjust, reconsider, is this really what I want? And if it's what you want, Go for it. Recorded from all over the globe here. Multiple time world champion pro wrestler, lead singer of Fozzie, and New York Times bestselling author Chris Jericho, one of my favorite wrestlers. Talks the podcast world with his podcast, Talk is Jericho, his unique take on all things pop culture and entertainment. Sit down with Chris as he interviews some of the biggest names in wrestling, music, television, movies, comedy, and of course, you can't forget the paranormal. All are welcome. There's no ID. Talk is Jericho available on Westwood One, westwoodone.com, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Go listen to it now. Now, you guys know I love podcasts. That's why I did Talk is Jericho. Now, listen to this concept of this podcast a show Bobby Bones does from his house. You guys know Bobby Bones is my hero, my mentor. He does in-depth interviews with the songwriters, producers, and artists in Nashville that reveal the stories behind the biggest songs that you've ever heard on the radio, candid anecdotes, and personal stories that they have. Now, this is important because Bobby just sits in a chair and he looks at you and he says this or that. He says that and this. doesn't matter. He doesn't have any questions prepared. That's how I like to do this. This is how I like to do it. And that's how I do it. So go listen to the Bobby cast. It's B-O-B-B-Y-C-A-S-T. Go listen to it on Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcast is available right now.
Thank you guys for joining in on the HodgePodge podcast. It's going to be a good episode today, like always. It's Tuesday, so it's going to be a good one. So you can go over and follow me on Instagram and Twitter at, at I am Mr. Dylan Hodge. Mr. D Y L A N H O D G E at I am Mr. Dylan Hodge. Instagram and Twitter. You can also go over to Facebook and type in the HodgePodge podcast on uh, Facebook. Give us a like. If you got anything you want us to request or want us to do, let me let me know. the hodgepodge podcast hope you guys like that little period of positivity if not i won't do it anymore but i think it's just something a lot of people need to do but today on the hodgepodge podcast we have another interview today it is rayburn binge what a fantastic name rayburn binge such a cool name his new single, Simple Man, is out now. We're going to get the behind-the-scenes look at the new single, Simple Man. We're going to get the behind-the-scenes. Is that Rayburn Bench? Is that his real name? I want to know. Do you guys want to know? Hope you guys want to know. We're going to talk about who his heroes are in music. Why he chose music as a as his passion, as his thing he wants to do in life. Why does he want to do it? Why is this his hobby? Why is this his job? You're also going to hear us talk about a lot of things man it's you're gonna hear it's it's so this this interview is so out there it's just fantastic it's so out there that it's fantastic i mean we talk ghosts aliens i mean we talk everything man i mean we talk youtube um we talk a lot of stuff so we were talking about the D.B. Cooper heist, what we think happens. Um, but mostly this is just to get his name out there, get these singles. He has Simple Man. He has Sinner. He has a lot more. So, I mean, you can go over to Spotify, iTunes, wherever you get your music, and get Rayburn Bench. It's R-A-B-U-R-N-B-E-N-G-E. You can go follow him on Twitter at Rayburn Binge, R-A-B-U-R-N-B-E-N-G-E. It's going to be a good one today. Appreciate you guys listening in on the HodgePodge podcast. Alright, cool. So I'm sitting here with Rayburn Binge. So man, before we get this thing started, I gotta ask, is that your real name? 100% real name? That is my real name, yes. You have some And, and it was important to me, you know, I've been told, uh, some of my first early trips to Nashville, you know, I was told by, by people there, uh, both with labels and management companies, you know, that that you might want to use something a little more marketable. And I thought, you know, it, it, it kind of rubbed me the wrong way. And I, I I thought, you know, it's real important to me to be real. I mean, you know, I don't, I don't want to give somebody a name that's not me. Just like I don't want to give them a song that's not me. So, so yes, that is my 100% real name. Well, you, you got some cool parents, man. Uh, the, is it of like... Um British descent or something like that, or is it just a name that they just picked out, or is it long? You know, I don't. I, that's that's a good question. I really don't even 
don't think I've ever even asked that question. I just kind of rolled with it. My, I was named after my, my father. His name, his first name was Rayburn. Sure. So, All right. so I just always took it as him. And I'm named after my dad, so just kind of honor him, you know. Right. So, before we actually get into this thing, the noise alert here, ladies and gentlemen, and Ray Rayburn. Um, if you hear some snoring, my dog, I couldn't get him to leave the room, so he's asleep on the bed. He's actually snoring, so um, you may not be able to hear it. You may. It doesn't matter. It's just what you hear. So, before we get into the music thing, you have the song Sinner and the song Simple Man. Yes. So, um, to me, I don't have anyone on here that I don't like. So, when you followed me on Twitter first, and I was like, well, what is, who is this cat? So I looked, Simple Man. I listened to it. I was like, ah, uh, you know, you're not a... It, it, it didn't hit me at first, but then I heard Sinner, and I was like, that guy has to get on my show. Sinner is the song that won me over that has to get on... The reason I got you on the show. So talk about Sinner for a second, and then we'll... We'll go down a whole rabbit hole here and talk about music. Sure. Well, uh, you know, I mean, it's interesting when you say that because Superman was actually not even a song. These, these two songs, these two singles, I should say, um, will be on the full-length album that's coming out in 2019. Okay. And uh, they were recorded down in Texas. Um, I was in Nashville. I'm not in Nashville anymore. I've left. Um, Nashville's going through a big change, so right. I decided that yeah. I'd come back to Texas and, and kind of change my sound, and I'm just not fond of the stuff that, that's going on in Nashville and, and mainstream radio today. Um, it just doesn't speak to me, right. you know? It's not that I'm not going dis, to dismiss, and I'm getting off topic here, but I'm not going to dismiss any of the talent. I mean, all the guys that are on radio today are, are obviously talented, you know, and they got their own thing going on, but it just doesn't speak to me. Um, so I came back to Texas and I hooked up with uh, a veteran producer by the name of Eric Herbst in Houston, Texas. Uh, he's worked with a lot of the likes of Blake Shelton, the Eagles, and tons of, of uh, Texas red dirt artists. And so we, we were going through songs and, and we've made it through like 12 songs, maybe 15, and, and uh, he, he asked, he was like, well, is, is this everything, you know, and, I, and he said, Cause, he said, we got a really, a lot of really great material, but he's like, man, I just, I, I, I heard another song, and he said, I don't know the name of it, and uh, so I started playing, I, I already knew what Dwayne was talking about, and I started playing center, right. and he was like, yes, he was like, that's the tune, man, and so we, we took it in the studio and, and worked it up. Uh, and it was funny because we had a guy that plays steel guitar for the Eagles, uh, played steel on that on that track. And, mm. and he was in the studio doing overdubs and he just stopped playing in the middle of it. And we were like, you know, when somebody of that caliber stops to tell you, or ask you, did you write this tune? And I looked at him and I said, yes. You know, I was like, well, what's wrong with it, you know? And, and uh, but he looked at me and he just told me, he said, this is one of the best songs I've heard in the past 15 years. Right. And he said, you know, I mean, it's it's my life. <clears throat> and yeah. so, so, you know, to, to have somebody like that compliment it 
and then and I, I mean, I've got nothing but praise over that song. So, and I wrote it about my own life. You know, it's kind of a cry out. Like, uh, the story behind it is, I was, I, you know, I was living a wild life, pretty reckless at the time. And uh, I was going through a bunch of really dark times, and I started going to this little church, and, you know, I felt like this is, this was the thing that I needed, you know, was to get into church and kind of save me from myself. And, and, uh, I was more or less kind of like pushed away from the church and I thought, you know, this is not what church is supposed to be about. So I went home one night and, uh, or one morning and I just told myself, I'm not going back to church, you know, it's not for me. And I sat down with my guitar, man, which was, has always been my escape, um, songwriting. I started this whole thing as a songwriter. And so I sat down and, and I wrote Center. I started on it. Um, and I think I got through, I think I got like one verse and maybe part of the chorus. And I put it away and I, I didn't mess with it for 10 years. Right. And then I started writing, writing it again, man, and knocked it out in about, in about 20 minutes. And uh, it is what it is now. So, but it, it is. Man, it's one of those songs. It's just. It, I think it was one that, that needed to be written. Sure. You know, because it. Uh, I think it describes a lot of people's life. Mm-hmm. You know. So does so, um, songwriting and and writing music come easy to you, or is it something that I mean? I know it's a, a, like a specific song. Like some some take six months and some take six minutes. So do they come to you sure. pretty quickly, or, 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 or do you just have to sit Man, I've had write? songs. Simple Man, for instance, was a song. Uh, it's, not as, it's not as strong and solid lyrically as, as one of the others on the record. And, and I'll tell you this, I mean, Sinner, Sinner's not the best song on the record. Uh, yeah. I've, got, I've got five more that, that we're saving uh, for the new year. Okay. And... Uh, but Simple Man, is, it's a simple song, you know, and there's a lot more going on in Simple Man lyrically than, than what's first me to hear. It's obviously about, you know, Kenner, mm-hmm. but it's also a story in and of itself. Um, so that song right there, it took me about two minutes to write, a three-minute song. Mm-hmm. And I just wrote all the lyrics down real quick, and then I sat down and I started playing chords, you know, and, mm-hmm. and I was done with that song really fast. Um, it took me, I probably made five minutes worth of changes in the studio, mm-hmm. and then, you know, it was exactly what's on the record, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, some songs, man, sometimes just come out, you know, I've, I've written songs, uh, I actually finished a song a couple of days ago that I've been writing since I I think I started on it when I was like 14, mm-hmm. you know, and and so I've been writing that one for quite a while. I'm not going to say how old I am, but right. <laughs> uh, let's just say it's been a while. So yeah, some songs, man, it's 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 almost like a lot of them are mm. good to be written. Mm. I know that kind of sounds crazy. You hear it a lot in the songwriting world. Right. Um, a lot of other writers that I've worked with. I don't, I've written, I've helped write songs for other people. Um, but when it comes to my own stuff, I, I have 
think that's important, especially in the market today. I mean, I think that's kind of missing is, is you know, anybody can get up there and sing someone else's songs, but can you get up there and sing your own story? You know, and I think, I think that you're starting to really see a big movement in the independent world, uh, you know, by the likes of guys like Cody Jinks from Texas. Right. Uh, you know, he's, he's got a really great thing going. He just signed with Brandon Records, but up until that, you know, he was independent, and he's, he's putting out a lot of really great stuff. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of that going on, man. And, and, and I like to see that, you know, that, that the guys playing and performing the songs lived it, and then they wrote it. Right. So, I I want to discuss. You said that it's important for a singer to you know write his own music. I agree and I disagree on that situation, and, and I want to explain myself. Right. So, sure, you can see. Um, uh, let's use um, um, Cole Swindell for an example. So, for a long time, Cole Swindell was this big songwriter Luke Bryan he was doing all Absolutely. this stuff but then said I need to do the the music thing sure. well he is still putting out these 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 songs other artists are putting out songs that he's written so I think right. it's important in another term to record your own stuff but to me it's ten times more important to record an outside song that you would never consider yourself to record one to give that person right. a chance and a two to believe in yourself to say, I believe in this song so much, even though I didn't write it, it speaks to me so much, I'm going to record it. Sure. Sure. So, I, and, and, I, and I would agree to you know, this. I mean, the, the Nashville market is a whole other animal. Um, you know, you, I mean, even like artists like Luke Bryan have been quoted as saying, you know, his music is feel good music. It's about getting people moving, snapping their fingers, snapping their feet. It's not thinking music, you know, and, and I mean, don't get me wrong, that guy's got some great, great songs too. I'm right. not a fan per se, but, but, uh, I'm not going to knock his talent. Right. And, uh, so, you know, I, I would agree to an extent, uh, there's been a lot of really great songs written, uh, that, that I think guys heard, you know, they were like, hey man, this, this ain't, I gotta cut this song. Sure. And, and who knows, you know, I mean, I, I I've done the same thing. I've heard songs. Uh, there's a songwriter down in Texas by the name of David Lee, and uh, he writes a lot with a guy named Tony Lane. And those guys, you know, they've written songs. I've heard the pop man. I'd love to, to, you know, have the opportunity to cut something like that. So, so yeah, I mean, I would agree to. So to a point, but but for me personally, I mean, I yeah, think yeah, it's yeah. important for me. It's hard. I know, like, I took music lessons with Miranda Lambert in, in uh, Texas and um, Casey Musgraves. And, and I know Miranda, you know, she's cut a lot of other people's songs, but she's also said, you know, that, that it's it's easier to sell a song you bring. Mm-hmm. You know? Right. Unless you just absolutely connect with with the outside song. So. Right, right. So... You said you left Nashville because Nashville was just a different. It got it got a little different. So are you talking about the music different wise? Well, I mean, everything changes. You know, that's just that's just life. Right. It goes in it goes in a big cycle. You know, music is it goes in a giant cycle too. Um, 
for me personally, I mean, I started out with the other and all this. You know, we were going along kind of the Aldine lines. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was getting compared to Aldine and Brantley Gilbert a lot. Um, and I think I just was not being true to myself. You know, I mean, I was, we were in talks with, with a couple of labels, um, talking with some, some management people, you know, and they were, they were kind of seeing social media's like really exploded, uh, with my very first release, which was a song called It's a Country Thing. Sure. And, and that song was, uh, it could have been produced a whole lot better. It could have been mastered a whole lot better. Mm-hmm. But for whatever reason, it kind of resonated. It spoke with a certain crowd. And, and I mean, we, I was getting phone calls and emails, offers. And, hey, we, we, you know, I was in Texas. And, you know, they were going to fly a jet up and pick you up and this and that. And, you know, I was unknown. I mean, I had just put this out. But, but it was just like within the first six months, my... Twitter, uh, I was I was getting hundreds of likes on Twitter and this and that, and I mean, it just kind of exploded. And I, you know, I've never never had any of that before. And, and uh, so we got some interest from from the industry, and but they were, you know, they were wanting to obviously change things and change sounds, and well, you know, everything's going this way. And I just kind of looked at it and I thought. Man, I don't know, you know. I mean, it's, it's scary for someone like me because it's easy for someone in the industry to say, I mean, they, they do want, they do have your best interest, uh, some of them, you know, not all of them. But it's a business at the end of the day, you know, and, and they've got to make money. But I've known a lot of people that have had record deals, man, that have had to go back and get a regular job, mm. you know, and, and I've got a family to support. And so I just thought, it has to be right for me. You know, I'm not going to let somebody else take full creative control and take the thing that I started and kind of pull it a different direction. You know, I, I wouldn't feel right without getting out there. And it'd be like it's kind of, I guess the best analogy I would have is, is if I started selling Mary Kay makeup, you know, I wouldn't be able to sell it very well because I know nothing about it. So I kind of felt the same way about the 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 state of the music industry at that time and it's just moving in a whole different direction you know it's moving closer and closer to pop all the time I think and uh you know it's just one of those things I mean that's what happens that's that's obviously what what radio and and the market's looking for right now and I just didn't feel like you know it it doesn't fit my sound it doesn't fit me where I want to go artistically so and, and I think you see, you know, there's there's a good balance going on right now. You know, I mean, you have guys like Eric Church, who he's he's kind of leaning more towards rock these days, but but he's still got a lot of the traditional songwriting values. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I feel like all his songs really tell a story. And then, like I said, you know, you've got the the uh, Cody Jennings, Jamie Johnsons, those those kinds of guys. Man, I think it's important. Uh, in country music especially to tell a story that's kind of where the genre came from so, and, and and you know and I, I like both I mean I've listened to tunes you know that they, they feel good you know get people moving get people drinking beer having a good time and there's nothing I think there's a, a time and a place for that 
But at the point I'm at now, I just feel like, you know what, this still doesn't really have a lot to offer for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't fit the mold, per se. Mm-hmm. You know, I guess I'm not, I'm not 18 and in great shape anymore and, and all that fun stuff, too. Uh, but I just kind of wanted to relax, man, and get away from the fast-paced business and, and just kind of take things at my own speed. So, you know, I'm fully independent and, I manage myself and book myself and record, set everything up, you know, the sessions and everything. So, so that was kind of a thing, you know. Hey, if I can do it independent and make a living and uh, put out the stuff that I want to put out, then I'll be doing that. People jump on the and great. If they don't, I'll be doing what I love. So, right. Well, I don't want to. Any of these questions, like, I don't, I don't write these down. So anything I say, it's not meaning in yeah. any disrespect towards you or to the listeners. It's just no. something that pops in the head. Hey, no taking Everybody, everybody's got their opinions. Right. So. And this is, it's not a strong opinion. It's just, I know since doing, I've done this almost two years. I've talked to a lot yeah. of musicians, a lot. Right. And I know a lot about the music business from just listening to it, from yeah. researching it, from talking to artists, doesn't matter if they're independent or they're fully signed to a label. Right. If you're going to make it in the country music business in today's world, you can have your own sound, but I believe you must be in Nashville. Because if you're going to win yourself over, let's let's say if someone's over in Las Vegas, you can't win somebody over in country music in Las Vegas as well as you can in Nashville with your own sound. Now, right. for, for example, if you're in Texas. I would Texas, disagree, because personally, I know I know two artists from Texas that just signed record deals, and they're neither one of them live in Nashville. They're both living in Texas. Right, right, and that happens. That's so I think of, that's what I was kind of getting at earlier. Was there, I think like the Kobe Dinks thing, you just signed with Vanda Records, you know, and, and they're based out of Texas, and... I think it's more, they built such a grassroots thing right. that that it could, they couldn't be denied. They got to that point where, hey, people were starting to listen, you know, and you had celebrities like The Rock uh, tweeting about, you know, their sound and, and his music and, hey, this, you know, if I listen to country music, this is who I listen to. And yeah. then you have Cody Johnson, who's a traditional country artist and, uh, I actually used to live right down the street from him, but, uh, you know, I've, I've watched them grow and do their thing mm-hmm. and fully grassroots, you know, I mean, they grew and grew and grew just by getting out there and playing shows. And they did it to a point where the industry had to take note and the, the industry kind of came to them, you know, and I think, I, you know, I've heard, I've heard Scott Borchetta of Victor Sheen say this and, there's too many artists out there, and I felt like, I mean, just being honest, I felt like I was one of them. I was chasing a record deal, mm. you know, instead of, like Scott said, don't chase the record companies. Build your brand, build your music so strong, so so big, your following so big and so strong that the industry comes and they're fighting over you because what that does for an artist is, is it gives you the leverage to negotiate your deal. Right. You know, whereas if you're if you're in Nashville, and, and I'm not saying all the artists in Nashville are doing it, there's all there's the talent in Nashville is crazy. Right. I mean, it's unbelievable if you've never been there. And uh, 
there's so many unsigned people that should be signed, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. But, but what that's saying is, look, go out, do your thing, build what you have on your own, and the labels will take notice. They'll come. The money and all that, you know, the backing uh, will come. But but you're setting yourself up to, to have more leverage to negotiate, to say, you know, no, I think I think I want to keep more of that for myself. Mm-hmm. I don't want to. I don't want to give all that out. And so that's kind of one of one of the ideas. And then you know, I've learned a lot from the Texas Red Dirt team too. You know, those guys down here that are that are doing really well for themselves. They're playing music for a living. Mm-hmm. And you know, at the end of the day, they don't really answer to anybody. You know, they they play when they want, and and they're still making ends meet. You know, so. Right. It's well, just I think I think you know I think I've changed a lot too. I've, I've grown up, we cared a lot about the, the whole thing, and, right? And uh, so you know, so it is what it is. The thing about Nashville, they're looking for the right look, the right sound, the right motive, the right, the right everything. And the thing is, sure. there's so many people that look not of country age and are 10 times better than the people playing now. I'm not, I'm not going to diss the country oh, music now. I'm not saying you are, but I'm, I'm not a, I'm a fan of this country music, but it's not as big as the nineties is for me. So right. I'm I, I just think there's, there's, there's I just think there's better music out there that they're not finding either because it's all yeah. has to do with the look and the music, otherwise than the message that the people are trying to bring, and I and I also think that Nashville um, or country music in general is is very sexist um, to me because I can count on one hand I can count on one hand how many um, female artists are playing on the radio right now. I can count on one hand, yeah. Rayburn. I mean that that's that's but then you can't count on. Fifteen hands of how many? Oh, it's male sad. I mean, it's sad. You know, and I, I don't think I've, I've listened to a lot of the guys. You know, in radio, I talked to a radio guy a couple of weeks ago, and we, we had the same conversation. And he, he just kind of told me, he said, "I don't know what the answer is." You know, and I mean, radio buddy, as far as radio goes, you know, but but uh, he was. We got to talking about the same thing, and he he said, you know, that it's. I mean, it's known that there's a problem, but they don't know how to fix it. Right. You know, what do you do? I mean, and and the thing is, is the, the behind the scenes, kind of the monster, is who they're targeting. You know, there's a target art audience for country music, and they've got it honed. I mean, like I said, it's, it's a business, and it's a well-oiled machine. Uh, people think that, you know, you hear a lot about it. Well, they're in trouble. They don't know what they're doing. Oh, they know that. Um, maybe not as far as streaming goes, but when it comes to radio, they know who their audience is. They know who they're targeting, and the thing is, is, is that's why you see the young, fresh guys. You know, because I know a lot of older guys, man, that just kill it. Uh, you know, they might not be the guys that that the young college age girls would go see in concert, mm-hmm. and I think that's kind of where the line lays today is you've got to be marketable 
to a certain demographic. Mm. And, you know, I think that's kind of where country radio is being wrong, as opposed to, say, like rock and roll. Right. Um, rock and roll, man. Uh, country radio, to me, kind of goes like this. If, and I hope nobody in radio hears this, I'll be in trouble. But, uh, anyways, I think country, you know, once once a song gets played out or, or lived its life on radio, it's it's off. Whereas rock and roll, why do I turn on the rock channel, man? I'll hear, man, I hear a Slipknot song, and then two songs later you may hear Journey or Foreigner or, you know what I mean? Right. Why are they still playing those old songs that they don't have to? Some of them, you know, I mean, will never die. But they're still playing songs from the 70s mixed in with the new stuff. And it's not just the the oldies and the new hits of today, it's every rock channel. They're still paying homage to these great guys who paved the way. Right. And I would really love to see country music or country radio kind of do the same, man. Play some of these 90s hits. Play some of Alan Jackson. You know, Alan Jackson's one of the neatest country songwriters that's ever lived. Right, and I and I want to I want to answer you. It's been sound. I mean, kind of like pushed out. You know, like back to George Strait. Get that country. It's like you know these guys, these guys made it. You know, and and we've just kind of forgotten who they are, and that's that's sad to me. I I don't th- I want I want to answer it with with this. Um, I don't think they've forgotten. To me, honestly, I think rock and roll is America's music. If you think if you think about all the bands and all the musicians that came out of the rock world, rock is ten times bigger than country music. So I think it's just they play the old stuff and the new stuff combined on the rock and roll station because the old stuff lasts a whole lot longer than the country old stuff. I mean, if you listen to country now, um, uh, you'll hear maybe three or four people. I mean, you'll matter of fact hear Garth Brooks and George Strait. They may throw a little Alan Jackson here and and Alan Jackson there. They may even throw a little, you know, Sammy Kershaw over there. I mean, but I just don't think it lasts a lot. I don't think it lasts as long as rock and roll because that from the start was America's music yeah and you know I mean who knows what the why you know why the right no, nobody's gonna know that I just I mean it's just it's just crazy I mean you know I I just uh, the genre right now in radio radio's gonna be in a state of panic so um you know talk to some of the guys they say oh my god we're with them some of the other people and they're like oh radio will never go anywhere you know they said the same thing about Napster Uh, right right all that streaming and stuff that'll never take off it'll never do anything and the labels I think thought that they could kind of strong arm them Mm. and keep them under control whereas you know I heard a guy this this guy said it the other day he said if they were smart they wouldn't have gone in and made a deal with Apple and Google and Amazon and Spotify and all these other people mm. and had control. Mm. But they thought that they could push them out. Right. And they were wrong about, you know, how strong uh, the technology wave was going to be. And 
I don't know. The whole thing's in a, a crazy state right now, you know. They're trying to get it all figured out. I mean, I got a statement the other day from, uh, for some of my stuff, and, I mean, the, the songwriters are not being compensated at all. I mean, it's, uh-huh. it's really pitiful. Um, you know, unless you have a, a monster hit, uh, you know, top ten, then the money's just, it, it's really not there at all. It's pretty much non-existent, but, uh... Right. But it takes that so, one, it takes that one song to skyrocket you. I, I, oh, yeah, one song to change the world. I want to take Ryan Hurd, for example. Ryan Hurd has wrote a bunch of songs. Sure. He's, 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 he's done this, and then... He wrote a right. song called Sunrise, Sunburn, Sunset. Luke Bryan picked it up, made it a single. Now this guy's going to be getting cuts left and right, up and down. But Oh, yeah. yeah. You, you're talking about the business in general of, uh, of country music. I want to take this and I want to um, kind of close out the music thing and then we'll go to other things because, I mean, I'm going to kind of okay. kind of close it down a little bit. But to me, I'm a gigantic wrestling fan, and I look at the country music business as a wrestling business because yeah. – it changes with the times. Now, it's more of a bro country, or you could call it a pop country. That's kind of what it is now. Yeah. Wrestling nowadays is PG. It's no longer the attitude era. The, the oh, I'm going to hit you with a chair and you're going right. to bleed. It's no longer that. Next, in the right. next 10 years, country music could be an Eric Church sounding rock style. Or we could go back to traditional. In 10 years, wrestling could be... Nobody cares about violence anymore. Let's go ahead and make it TV fourteen yeah. again. I mean, it, it, yeah, you, you I, can do that I, with I TV shows too. Because right? that's what a lot of that's that's a lot of the chatter that I'm hearing now from guys in the industry, radio. Um, you know, even guys like Bob Kingsley, the top forty country campaign. That's the kind of way I've heard that right now. It's right. going back towards the traditional sound, you know, and so. So. All right, so Everybody has their own, you know, what they like and what they dislike, so. Yeah. But we'll, only time will tell. We'll see what happens. So, I was watching this, um, kind of like a documentary thing last night on the History Channel. Um, it was about D.B. Cooper. So, I don't sure. know if you know much about D.B. Cooper, but just for a second, I want to talk about these, because it's called the Hodgepodge Podcast for a reason. My last name's Hodge. I also like to talk about... Different varieties in a, in a whole podcast, so it's just different things that are can jumble together. So, uh, the DB Cooper thing. For those that don't know, I'm going to explain a little bit. A guy named DB Cooper hijacked a plane, stole two hundred thousand dollars in cash, jumped out of the plane, and now that's the biggest unsolved mystery, one of the world's biggest unsolved mysteries. So, what do you think happened to him, Reverend? Do you think maybe he took a new identity, or you think he's somewhere in a jungle? Something like that. Do you have any idea? I, you know, I don't know. Uh, I think I've seen the same documentary. And, I mean, it, for me, it didn't, the one I saw, anyways, didn't answer a whole lot of questions. Uh, and I don't know. You know, I would, I would, part of me would want to say, you know, I think he uh, made it, you know, and, and uh, just took on a new, new name. You know, I don't know. I, don't know. I, mean, I guess that's why it is the greatest unsolved mystery. It is interesting, though, you know, that they haven't been able to really figure any of it out. But, but so, I, if I'm not mistaken, the guy, he had like a military background, some sort. 
Right. The one, I, so mine, the one I watched, it was a two-part series, and they were like three hours apiece, which I think is freaking ridiculous yeah. for a show. But, like you said, they didn't answer a lot of questions, but they answered enough to where you're thinking, okay, well, this could be the guy or that could be the guy. But, yes, he did have a lot of military background. Um, he knew a lot about the plane. He knew a lot about the parachute. So, I mean, he did have a big military background. So, right. that could so be... So, with that, you know, it kind of makes you think. Maybe he knew exactly what he was doing. Made it out. Right. I, so, but, but, you know, I mean, then again, it was 200, 200 grand. So, I don't know how old he was at the time, but how long would that have lasted, you know? Right, and we, and, you know, we. I don't think we'll ever know because it's in the FBI. So right. the government, we're never going to know nothing about the government anyway. So who cares? Really? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's just a big conspiracy. So keeping on the conspiracy things, um, do you believe in any kind of ghosts or aliens or anything like that? Man, I, I do believe in ghosts. Uh, I believe in ghosts. I mean, I've never seen one or anything like that. Knock on wood. But, uh... I do believe in ghosts. I, I believe in aliens. I think. Uh, I mean, you know, this is a big, big universe we live in. So, right. I, I would think there would have to be something else out there. The reason I believe in aliens, my theory is, you're telling me there's these eight other planets because they brought Pluto back in as a planet. So they brought there's these eight yeah. other planets, and there's nothing living on these planets. You're telling us we're the only right. ones in this world. Right. Universe. You know, and, and I, I'm right there with you. My thing is this. What they tell us. No, and and I'll tell you, know, you why. I, I'll, I, think it, I think it might, might start to keep panic of some sort. You know, and I just, I, I could see the government saying, you know, hey, uh, we're not, we're not going to tell anybody about this because this could be a really bad thing. I, you know, so. For, I, 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 I'm from New Mexico, uh, about an hour south of of uh, Roswell. Okay. So I know the alien thing up there's a big big attraction, and you know they had a lot of witnesses that saw this. Right. Who knows? You know, right. I don't know. But. but I will tell you my reason why I don't think if it is to come out the aliens are real, they're not going to say anything, because all these people that have been saying there's aliens, the government coming back saying. No, they always have an excuse for, oh, I, this is an right. alien. No, this is a military um, plane. Airplane, they, they, yeah. all, they always come with excuses. So sure. I sure. think they're not going to come up, they're not going to say aliens are real. Even if there's an alien invasion, they're going to say this is terrorist. Because yeah. then we would prove the government wrong, and then once we prove them wrong, the government will be no yeah. good. <laughs> I mean... I believe, yeah, you, I think you're on and, 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 and think about this, man, um, don't, don't want to tell this too long, but think about this, what if, you know how the government, they're always watching, the government's always watching sure. us through our phones, through our laptops, what if it's actually aliens that are watching us, or or some 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 different part, not non-human-like, and the government knows about it, but they have to say it's them to keep the safety and the, and the, and, and, and the craziness away. You know, I think you just blew my mind with that one. <laughs> I'm gonna, I don't know. I may have to get rid of my cell phone and computer. Right. I keep a cell phone. I mean, it's, kind of, it's scary anyway, you know, to know that somebody could be watching. And I think, I think somebody is, you know. Right. 
Because you'll be talking... For what reasons, who knows, but... Because they know they so. have control over us. They know if they call, the government... Well, they're not going to call. They'll send a letter and they'll say, Hey, you owe us. You didn't pay taxes. You owe this much. They know that they have right. control over us. They're going to send us to jail. You know, they're, they're going to send us to jail. So, I think they're watching us because they know they have control over us. And they know that we'll do whatever they say for them to keep us safe. Right. But... I don't want yeah, to get this whole conspiracy theory. I agree. <laughs> but I um I watch a lot of movies. Um, I don't know about you. I watch. I don't. I don't really watch a lot of TV. I certainly have certain nights where stuff comes on. But I watch a lot of movies. And one of the best yeah. movies I've seen in a long time. Don't know if you ever seen it, but it's called The Greatest Showman. I have not. I don't. I don't believe. I. It was about P.T. Barnum and the circus. Man, I, I I'm not a big okay. I'm not a big musical fan, but that movie right there was like holy crap. Like I mean I probably watched it seven times. So is there any movie that you've seen in the past I don't know, six months maybe that is one of the best ones you've seen in a while? Oh man. Uh, you know, I don't really watch I mean I haven't watched T V in years. I mean, I just, I don't have time for it. I'm a busy person. Uh, movies, man, I don't know about in the past six months. Okay. Um, well, let's just do this I'm thing. old school, man. Like, I keep watching, if I find a, a good movie, I'm like a Forrest Gump guy, you know. I, right. I, I've right. seen that movie, I don't know how many times. Um, well, yeah, I don't know what I mean. Let's just do this. What is your favorite movie of all time? I'll say I'll tell you one that intrigues me uh, because of the story behind it, not so much the the, the uh, movie itself, but the Madoff movie was something that really intrigued me. And what intrigued me about it was the greed, uh-huh. you know, on both sides. You know, Bernie Madoff, Madoff with the money thing, and uh, Wall Street, but. The, the reason it intrigued me was the deeper message behind it that I got out of it was this was a problem not only for Bernie. Bernie, you know, he was a very greedy person and, you know, I mean, what he did was wrong. Mm-hmm. But I, it was greed on both sides, you know. And, mm-hmm. and the reason I said that was my grandmother, it wasn't made off, but she got hit by a Wall Street guy and uh, she lost a bunch of full retirement. Right. And it was the same type thing, you know, it was driven by greed. I mean, I don't agree with what happened to, the, to those people. Sure. You know, because their money was just gone. But it was also one of those things, these were these were smart people, you know, they, they had made a lot of money. And it was kind of one of those things, you know, I mean, if you're going to play those games where you, you know, you know that old saying that still holds true today, if it's too good to be true, it probably is. Right. You know, and this Bernie was promising returns that were astronomical. And these people, they just, they, they bought into it, you know, they, but what was behind it, it was greed. You know, hey, I'm going to, I'm going to make, you know, tenfold on this return. And then next thing you know, you know, there was nothing left. Sure. And, right. But it, it just, to, to me, the whole story was kind of a lesson to people like, greed is what got you, not Bernie. Right. You know, because I think Bernie was driven. I think Bernie Sanders, or Bernie Sanders, uh, well, that's a whole other story. Bernie Madoff 
I think he was, I think, you know, he started his business with good intentions. Mm, and the greed, the greed got him. You know, he was trying to live a lifestyle that he couldn't, couldn't afford. Mm. And, you know, so I think, I think it's, it was interesting to me that the same thing that got the guy who got the people was greed. Right. You know, right. so they both fell to the same thing. And so, I mean, uh, you know, that's probably one of the most recent movies that I really sat down and thought about. And I was like, wow, you know, there's a, there's really something compelling behind it. And that's something that I took away from it. Um, you know, and we watch a lot of kid movies too. Right, right. So, so which, uh, couple more questions here for you and we'll get off here we're going on about 45 minutes or so so i, I try to keep it an hour um so not not much longer but i read a lot man i mean i, I can if if i can if i make myself i can read probably six books in a month um i'm i'm reading in the middle of this book right now i'm, I'm pretty sure you remember the casey anthony trial where she supposedly yes. killed her two-year-old child now this book, yes. it's talking about the guy that tried to convict her, tried to say she did it, and right. for like me, I can say OJ did it, but in the law's eyes, he did not do it because he was not guilty. Right. So a lot of people say he didn't do it. So Casey Anthony yeah. did not do it. This book, right. this book proves both ways. It proves. She did do it, and then it proves she didn't do it. So, to me, the wow. stories that's happened, I think her boyfriend had something to do with it, or did everything, and then he threatened her, and uh, that's why she came up with all these lies and stuff, because he threatened her life um, if she said anything. So, what is your take on the Casey Anthony thing, of all the... the, the thing? I mean, I know it's a while back, but I mean that's why it's fresh on my mind, but what do yeah. you think happened? Do you think she did it, or do you think she didn't do it? Man, I mean, you know, I really can't even comment, uh, and I wish, you know, I, I've been guilty of the same thing, man, that you get caught up, you know, social media has made it so, I think everything is a lot uglier today than it used to be, because, you know, in the olden days, well, I say olden days, back before the Facebooks and the Twitters and Instagrams, those are all really great, powerful tools. But I think they can also be used for for bad too, you know. And I think you know, it, it, I think the first of those cases was really like you said, the OJ case, because everybody was allowed to have an opinion about it. But you know, at the end of the day, I'm not a juror, I'm not a district attorney, I'm not a defense attorney. So you know, I, I'm one of those guys, man. You know, uh, I had a uh, a uh, friend of mine years ago that was put on trial for uh, rape. Mm. Okay, and everybody knew, you know, that the guy didn't do it. And and it came out, the guy, the guy actually went to prison for about six months. Mm. And the girl finally came forward. Well, she didn't come forward, she did it to another guy. Mm. And they caught her on recording telling a friend that she had lied about it. Mm. And so they let, they let this friend of mine uh, get out, you know, he got out of prison. Everybody knew he was innocent. Of course, he hired a civil lawyer, sued the state, and all this and that, but nothing was ever done to her, and, but but it ruined my friend's life. I mean, you know, right. ruined his reputation. He had to move out of, 
that was apparent. He, he actually moved a few states away. And uh, so I, I thought, you know, we all just this person based on her nursing, you know, hearsay. We didn't have facts. And I think you're seeing the same thing in these types of cases. We all, it's easy to get on Twitter or something and go, oh, she's guilty, you know. When in reality, I mean, I'm not saying she is guilty or, right. or innocent. But how do we know, you know? I didn't ever see any of the hard evidence. I, I know what the what the media gave us. I know what what the newspapers and what I read on social media, but I you know, I mean I never fact checked any of it, so I don't know what was really what. Um and that's the scary thing about today, you know, is is that that we we have this perceived thing going on, you know, where we see somebody in a certain light and we go, oh, well, they must be a bad person or they must be this or that or guilty or innocent. When in reality, it could be like you said, you know, maybe she didn't do it. Maybe she was, you know, forced into taking that route by someone else. I mean, we don't know. Uh, and so, I mean, for me personally, I like to let, hey, we have a you know, the justice system is not always right. Sometimes they make mistakes. We're all humans, but uh, but that's what defense attorneys are for. You know, you you hire what you can afford, and and uh, you know, you, you try to to uh, even the playing field there. But at the end of the day, you know, whatever the justice system says, I mean, that's that's what has to go. You know, right. and then like this case of my friend. I think if, if you are, you know, it's horrible that people go to prison or, or are convicted of things that they didn't do. I, I couldn't even imagine, you know, being put in a cell. You're not leaving. There's nothing you can do about it. And you're in it. Because I believe, you know, that there's a lot of that. And you hear about it all the time, you know, guys being, well, men and women both being exonerated. You know, and it's like, they pay them millions of dollars in settlements, but it's like, you, you can never buy back time. You know, time was the price. And so, like, Casey Anthony saying, I'm, I'm at a loss, really. I mean, I, I don't know, you know. Right, right. I have right. no idea. Right. I mean, part of you wants to say, just from the little bit that I saw over the, the news coverage, you know, when it was all happening, sure. part of me would say, oh, you know, I, I mean, because they paint a pretty horrible picture of her. Mm-hmm. But then I saw some that, that made her kind of look like maybe she was innocent. So mm-hmm. it's like, I don't, you know, I don't know. And, and of course, the media, they, I think that they play on those stories a lot, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, it gets people talking, you know, and it's it's controversial. There's people that, that agree with it. There's people that don't. And anything controversial, I think Kanye West has pretty much proved that, that uh, it gets people talking, you know. Right. A couple more questions here. Um, When you're searching the web, man, and and, because I watch YouTube a lot, like I watch all these YouTube channels, like Roman Atwood, stuff like that. Do you watch anything on YouTube? And if you do, what kind of what kind of what kind of stuff do you search on YouTube and watch? Because I know man, YouTube is like an addiction for me. Uh, Me too. too. It's probably my favorite search engine. it's just one of those things, man. It's so cool because you can get on there and you can stumble upon. Like I've seen so many great artists and songwriters, right? And and not even just music related, just just interesting people in general. Um, 
you know, that's that's I'd never heard of the book The Secret. And when I was scrolling through, I don't even remember what I had, had actually searched for, but I searched for something and a Tony Robbins video came up and so I watched that and it was a big self help guru. And so I'm 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 big into that, self help and, you know, uh, developing yourself and all that stuff. But I came across the secret, you know, through through just scrolling through videos and then I came across a few other guys and then I found, you know, this dude that went and bought the book and so and I love YouTube. Um I spend a lot of time watching uh I watch hunting stuff on there, I watch fishing stuff on there. Uh I watch all kinds of music stuff on there, you know. Uh, music business, you can find all kinds of stuff on, you know, some of the guys that I've met, some of the guys that I, that I know personally in Nashville, you know, they're putting on a seminar, you know, maybe at, uh, somewhere in Nashville that they're doing this or, or somewhere abroad, but, man, I've learned a lot, you know, just by YouTubing things, and I've, you know, if I can't figure out how to fix something in my van or truck or car or I'll get on there and figure it out. But uh, that's a really good tool. It's very addicting. For sure. And I know my wife, it gets me in trouble with my wife a lot because I'll be up at night. She'll roll over and she's like, Are you still on there? And I'm like, I just can't shut it off. I keep finding the cool stuff here. So, right. yeah, I love you too. Last question here, man. We'll get you off here. All right. What's your favorite album of all time? Well, you think. My album, favorite album of all time, Continuum by John Mayer. John Mayer just opened up my eyes, man, when I heard it a few years ago, man. It just hit me. Yeah. Um, man, it's months changed uh, several times, but I don't know. I have seven. Uh, I can't really pick. I don't know that I could just pick one. We'll pick three. Let's do, do, um, do three. Do three. I would say, uh, for production-wise, I would say Keith by Eric Church. Right, great album. That's because of the stuff that Jay Joyce did on that and Eric Church did on that was just so different from the two. Uh, and I think, you know, I mean, it was a huge album for their camp and, and really propelled his career, but... But I just love Jay Joyce's production work and, and the stuff, the ideas, the things that he came up with on that album were really great. Um, I would say uh, Cody Jinks' new album, Lifers. Sure. Um, that's a really great, great record, and I, I, I love the production work, but I also love the songwriting. Um, it's a really, really strong record. And another one, my, my other one that I've been doing here lately, uh, that are, they're my favorite at the time, I would say the Adobe Sanctions by Cody Kings. I like the songwriting. Yeah, I think it's a really, I don't know, man, that, that guy has something special when it comes to, to writing songs, and he's got a, he's got a great, down too, but mm -hmm. uh, so that's that's pretty. Like I said, man, my favorites change all the time. Right. I could go on all day about. I mean, I'm, I'm a fan of Prince. 
you know, there's a lot of other outside of our genre that I could could say. Uh, I like every Alan Jackson album, so same for George Strait. Right. But, uh, so, well, there's that. Raven, I appreciate you doing this, man. Uh, so, guys, go. Hey, man, I appreciate you. Go check out Simple Man Center. Go stream them. I always say if you stream them, you like them, then go buy them because they're they're probably making a penny, maybe two pennies a year streaming. So sure. uh, he's independent, so he has to have the money like that. So got a family to raise. So you can go follow Rayburn Binge on Twitter at Rayburn Binge. That's R A B U R N B E N G E. Well, Rayburn, I hope you have a good man. I appreciate you doing this. Hey, you bet, man. Thanks for having me, John. Right, thanks, man.